Hi, welcome to the City View Phoenix podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. One of my favorite movies, series of movies, are the Mission Impossible movies with a guy named Tom Cruise, and his character is a man named Ethan Hunt. My wife and I look forward to those. We love to watch them. Um, and it's just, it, it's just, we just love them. I don't know what it is about him. Maybe it's the fact that he's given this impossible task and he does it every single time. But in each movie, he gets a phone call or some kind of headphones or glasses or something, and he's, and he's given th- these words and they say, your mission, should you choose to accept it? And he's given this chance, and, and I know these aren't real, I know it's fake, I know it's not real life, I get that, so don't be like, Jeremiah, that's not real, but, but here's what I love, no matter what, how heavy the weight, no matter what impossibility, no matter what is asked, he was always willing. He's always willing to do the task, because he knows life is bigger than him. He knows the responsibility, of, if he doesn't do it, many people could be hurt. He knows that if if he doesn't get involved, if he doesn't get engaged, if he doesn't do what is asked of him, then the whole world is going to suffer. What if we took life with that same aspect? What if we realized and we identified realizing if we don't live as the men and women of God that he has called us to be, what if we realize the whole world is at stake if we don't do it? Every day we wake up with this adventure that we call life. Every day we have new challenges, new opportunities, new risks, and new hope. But how many of us are just sitting on the sideline. How many of us are waiting, hoping to be chosen? How many of us are waiting, thinking, well, what if something better comes along? How many of us are waiting to see if we will ever be able to live up to it? Waiting to see if we have what it takes. But what if one morning you said yes? What if one morning when you chose to wake up going, you know what, I'm going to live this life, I'm going to live this life that God's called me to, and I'm going to live it to the fullest. What if one morning you made a choice and said yes to living a life for Jesus? What if, what if, not just to believe in Jesus. You see, I think a lot of us, we come in here and we believe in Jesus. Maybe not everybody, maybe some of you are skeptical. Some of you, this is your first time. Some of you, this is your first time maybe to church. Maybe you came by hoping to get something, or maybe somebody made you come, maybe that. But, but there's a group of us also in here where we come every Sunday. And that's just what you do. That's your church. You get it done. You get church done for the week. But what if you did it on Monday? What, what if you made a choice on Monday morning, saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to live for God today. What if you gave Jesus a try and you said yes to him? You see, your mission, should you choose to accept it, will you follow Jesus? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning. Lord, I thank you that you want to use people like us, people who don't have it all together, to do something crazy that we never thought we could. Jesus, no matter where we're at sitting in this sanctuary, whether we are believers in you, whether we follow you, or whether we don't, whether we are sitting sort of on the sidelines, or whether we're fully engaged, 
or we're skeptical. Jesus, I ask that you would challenge us, open our hearts, and may we be ready to receive from you today. And Jesus, I pray that you wouldn't just do that here, but you would do it across the valley at churches all over. Whether it is my friends over at Desert Breeze, Heritage Church, Redemption, CCV, or here at City View. Jesus, speak to us. And it's in your name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, so I want to give a plug real quick. Ladies, you heard Laramie talk about the study. Don't miss it. It's Wednesday night. It's going to be, if my wife, when she ever gets excited about something, it's because God's already, my wife, she, if she didn't, not hate being in front of people. She could preach. She's always got a message to preach. God speaks to her heart in powerful ways. I'm not just saying that because I'm her husband. I'm saying it because she preaches to me every day. And so I hear it, and I'm like, honey, that'll preach. She goes, well, you can preach it. Um, and I'm like, man, if she could just, but not everybody is made to just talk in front of people and not worry about what you say. That's just me. Um, but she's passionate about this study. She's passionate about seeing women live their lives for the Lord. So ladies, make time. You make time for the things that are important. Each and every one of us do that. We all do that in life. Men, I know the battle of our minds. I read this book. I love this book. I'm going to read this book again. I actually listen to the book because sometimes life doesn't allow for me to sit and read, so I like to also sit and listen to books. Um, Guys, this study, winning the war of your mind, there's always a battle in my mind. And sometimes the battle in my mind is, Jeremiah, you're not enough. Sometimes, even sitting here, I was thinking about, like, it was, I'll be honest, with some people I haven't seen lately at church, I'm like, God, am I doing something wrong? Why, are people, why aren't people here? That mind, I'm like, God, and I just, in that mind, I, said, I took that thought captive, and I said, no, it's about those who are here. And God says, Jeremiah, it's about you being available. And so I have to take those thoughts captive because those thoughts and multitude of other thoughts go through my mind all the time. So I have to take that thought captive. So if you, if you want to see life change in your heart and in your life, make that a priority. Join it. It's Wednesday nights, both men and women. I think women will be in here. Men will be over in the gym. I think that's the plan. So come Wednesday nights. Make it a priority. Okay. Today we're starting. We're, we've been in the book of Mark for the past four weeks. And what we've done is I, I've taken the book of Mark and I've divided it into multiple sections. And we're going to go throughout the entire book. We're going to be going back and forth from chapter 1 to maybe chapter 4, then over to chapter 1 again, then maybe chapter 7. But over the time, we're going to go through the whole book of Mark. And we're looking at it in some big ideas. And today we're starting this, this angle looking at the book of Mark as Jesus had no ordinary mission. No ordinary mission. Every time I watch a Mission Impossible, I'm like, that will never, ever happen. Until coronavirus hit, and I go, okay, well, maybe there could be some crazy virus that hits the whole world, and where's Ethan Hunt when you need him? Come on, he failed us. Either way, he's not real, so I have to remember that. He's not real. But Jesus had no ordinary mission. You see, Jesus didn't set out randomly to just do whatever he wanted. Jesus didn't come and was like, oh, well, you know what? I'm going to wake up today, and I, man... I'm going to go cast some demons out and maybe feed a few thousand people with, I don't know, a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And, um, and then maybe I'm going to go walk on water and, and then I'll die at the end of the day. That sounds like a good plan. Like, Jesus, it wasn't just this like, random plan. Jesus had a very particular mission and his mission was 
to save people. It was to go after the least of these, to pursue sinners, to die on the cross, and to save the world. That was his mission. And we see this as we look at Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through um, 15 right now. And we're going to go um, into Mark. So Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, it says this. Now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus here, as, as he's as opening, as he's preaching this, he's preaching with an urgency. Have you ever had an urgency about something where you know somebody, if you don't do it now, it won't happen? Yesterday, my wife and I, we, are, we're dri- we took our truck, our expedition, we're going on a road trip, and we took it into the shop last week. And we said, hey, check it and make sure it's all working and all that kind of good stuff. And I prayed. I said, God, if anything's going to break on it on our trip, have it break now instead of while we're driving across the country. Well, we get home. We bring it home. Saturday morning, Larry and I are getting ready to go and do some errands. The AC's broken. And I called our mechanic, Hal, who told me a couple weeks ago that I was fat. I called Hal. I said, Hal, my AC is not working. I'm, I'm being serious. He really did tell me I was fat. You, have a, you know you have a good mechanic. If not only is he comfortable with telling you your car is broken, but he's like, Jeremiah, you've gained some weight. I've lost seven pounds since the last time I saw him, so go for me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I didn't need that. Um, Hal, my, my truck, my AC is broken. He goes, okay. I said, I, it has to be fixed. By, we leave Tuesday morning at five in the morning. It has to be fi- fixed. I had an urgency. Jesus has this urgency. The kingdom of God is at hand. And the people thought it was this kingdom where he was going to sit on a throne and reign. But the kingdom he's talking about is this one that had been prophesied about in the books of Jeremiah and Ezekiel. This kingdom of a heart change. This kingdom of a life change. Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand. And this is the message this radical message that Jesus had. The time is now. The time is now. A life change is available now. Hope is here now. Salvation is now. And Jesus shares with the people that are listening this radical message. And it's two things. He says, repent and believe. Repent and believe. Repent. It means to change your mind and change how you live and change the way you live. It means to turn away from sin, to turn away from pride, to turn away from sexual sin, to turn away from jealousy, to turn away from envy and covetousness. It's to turn away from that life about yourself. And Jesus says, repent, turn, don't live that way anymore. So many of us, we just like the believe part. Believe in Jesus so I can go to heaven. Believe in Jesus so I don't have to go to hell. Believe in Jesus so my life will be happy and healthy and good and all that. I'm going to believe in Jesus, but we forget about the repent part. Because we don't want to give up anything. We don't want to acknowledge that maybe we can't live the same kind of life that we've always been living, but there's a bigger, better life to live, and that means we need to turn from things that are not healthy for us. Repent. Repent. 
And Jesus calls the people, this is his message, repent. And I don't know what, for you, some of us in here, we are believers in Jesus, but that's all we've been is we've believed in Jesus, but we have not repented. We have not turned. We have not stopped. We have not taken a step going, you know, I'm not going to live that way anymore. And Jesus says, repent. Repent. Repent starts in the mind like that book we're going to be going through. And it's not done on your own strength. It's all done by the Holy Spirit who's going to give us the power and the authority. It's all done by Jesus filling our lives so that we can see what we need to repent from. Filling our lives so that we can see what we need to change and turn from. And then he says, believe. Jesus says, repent and believe. Believe in the gospel. Believe in this, this story that Jesus was born, that he rose, that he died on the cross, and that he rose from the dead. Believe. Believe that Jesus is the Savior. Believe. Believe that Jesus loves you. Believe that Jesus can change you. Believe that Jesus did die for you. This message is still radical today. We see this message in, in so many worlds, and in, in, or not in worlds, but in our world and where we live. We don't want to focus on the word repent. We want to let people live their life. You go be the best you you can be. Well, the best you you can be sends you straight to hell. The best you you can be will mess up your life forever. The best you you can be is the worst you possible. But the best you filled with Jesus is a life you can never imagine. See, in our world today, we want to focus on the believe. Oh, I want to believe in Jesus because I want to be happier. Man, maybe Jesus will just fix me and make me happier. And I just want to keep living the sinful life I'm living, and I just want to keep doing. And that's what our world tells us, isn't it? You see it all over, everything. It is, I'm getting more and more disgusted by how our world just wants to, us to accept sin. Oh, it ticks me off. I'm, I'm, I'm so sad for this younger generation because I'll be honest, those of you who are younger, 20s and younger, you, you have a real battle where you've got to figure out what's true. You've got a real battle on what you've got to figure out what's right. You've got a real battle on what you've got to figure out. Do, what do we actually have to repent from? Do I just repent from the bad things like murder? No, it's repent from everything. Because anything we do on our own selves, it is a hot mess. Jesus says repent and believe. Believe that Jesus can forgive. Repent and turn from where you're living. Believe that Jesus can die and change you. So not only did Jesus have this, this amazing message, this radical message, but then he has this radical call. He has this radical call to these, these group of men who are fishing, and he says in verses 16 through 20, as he was going along, so Jesus is walking along the seashore, so it's like walking down, I don't know, Mill Avenue or some street, okay? And he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And so they sat there and they said, you know what, Jesus, we're going to think about that for a minute. We're going we're gonna to go and we're going we're gonna to just weigh uh, how good of a life it would be to follow you or to be able to do this. We're, Jesus, we're, can, you, can you give us a week? Just give us a week. Let us think about it. No, that's not what it says. It says immediately. Now you've got to remember this book. It's written by this guy named Mark. Peter is telling Mark the story. Peter is one of Jesus' disciples. Peter's mentioned here in verse 16. Simon is his name. Jesus changes his name. So 
Mark as he's writing, and Peter's like, okay, and then Jesus came by the shore, and he said, follow us, and Mark's like, so what'd you do? He says, we dropped everything right then and there. Immediately we dropped it, and Mark's like, really? Like, you dropped everything? Yeah, immediately. Imme- like, right now, I don't know, like, Mark is like, immediately, 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 it's his favorite word. Immediately, it's all throughout the book. It's his action book. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat, mending their nets, and immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went away to follow him. Jesus, with this radical mission of saving the world, of changing people's lives, he has this call to these men to follow him. He's fishing for men and women to join him on this incredible journey. This incredible journey. And, and, and he, the people he picks are nothing like anybody else would pick. I don't know how many of you have ever, ever been at like PE time or playground time. I don't know how you remember that. But it would come up and you're playing, I don't know, soccer or football or basketball or any of those sports, and they would say, okay, now we're going to pick teams. We have two captains. And you got, anybody been there? You have two captains? You have two captains? How many of you have ever been that person where you know you're going to be one of the last people picked? Don't raise your hand. Yeah, okay, you can. That, that, that was me. I always wanted to be captain because then I knew I didn't have to worry about whether or not I was going to be picked. But then you know that person, if there's like 12, if there's, you know, it's, it's a 10-person game, but then you have 13 people that are there. So you want to make sure you have a sub, but then somebody gets the, like, second sub. And they're like, oh, you, you get Jeremiah. That's who Jesus picked first. He didn't say, okay, who, who's the best? Who are my all-stars? Who's the best of the best? Who's going to make me look good. You see, Jesus doesn't need any of us to make him look good because he already is good. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the almighty God, the majestic Father. Nobody can make him look good and you can't make him look bad either. That weight is not on you. So when Jesus picks these disciples, he's like, okay, Peter and John, yeah, you're pretty good. You're a good fisherman. No, I'm looking at that in a little bit, but he picks them. He picks these guys. That's who he picks. He picks these guys first. You see, Jesus' call is different. Jesus, as he chooses disciples, he didn't pick the kind of people that everyone else would pick. He chooses the leftovers. He chooses the ones that everybody else would be like, okay, you get so-and-so. I don't want them. Well, he has to be on a team. Fine. Jesus is like, I'll take you. But you don't have anybody else on your team yet. Yeah, you're good. Have you seen me do anything? Yeah. It's okay. We'll figure it out. That, that's who Jesus picks. He's Jesus had a mission, and he knew the only way it was going to be accomplished was by choosing the least of these, not the best of these. So if you look at your life going, man, I'm pretty good. Good thing God's got me. God's like, mm, what, really? Because if I were to like lay out everything about you in front of everybody, you'd realize you're not that good. And that's who Jesus picks. He picks people that have nothing to prove. Jesus went to them and he said, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. But here's what we get wrong. Jesus didn't say, follow me and go. Jesus didn't say, hey, follow me, now go figure it out on your own. He didn't say that. He said, follow me and become. Become. It's all an act. It's going to happen while we go. But in our life and in our society, I think, so, I think so many times we think we have to have it all together first. Jesus didn't say, follow me. 
because you've already got it all together. Jesus said, follow me and become. It's this process as we're following him, we're becoming the people that God wants us to be. That's part of our mission as a church. We want to help people belong in community, believe in Jesus, and become who God is calling them to be. I'm still becoming. I haven't reached it yet. I won't reach it until the day I die. And the day I die, the only reason I will become who God is calling them to be, calling me to be, is because I'm going to be in heaven with him, complete. My death doesn't make me complete. My resurrected body with Jesus makes me complete. That's what makes me finished. And we think we need to know enough, be enough, do enough, and all Jesus asks is, follow me, and on the way, you will become. That's all he asks of us. Follow me, and on the way, you become. But we think we have to have it all together. Man, I've been asked by friends, I, so I'm getting into mountain biking. I bought a mountain bike a year ago. And um, I've been, I wanted to get into it, so I would get invited. Hey, Jim, you want to go riding with us? And I would say no. You want to know why I said no? because I didn't want to look like a fool. Anybody ever say no to something because you don't want to look like a fool? So I said no. They'd call me, hey, Jemai, we're going riding. I'm like, uh, I'd come up with some lame excuse. I was checking the specs in the inline for the road rigger. You know, I just had all these excuses. And one day I said yes. And they take me out to Pyramid Peak or Pyramid something, which it's not easy. I crashed a couple times, as I've shared with you guys, but let me tell you, when you get up to the top of the mountain and you look down and they tell you, okay, now you have to go down, and I'm like, oh dear God, I got a helmet on, that's about it, and padded shorts, because your bum hurts. When you go down, let me tell you, it's exhilarating. It's exhilarating to, to do that. And I, the, what kept me from doing it was this thought of, I need to practice first. Jesus didn't say to them, come follow me, but do you already know how to ride a bike? And have you already been down a mountain? And do you know what to do when the mountain, when the, when the trail turns quickly and you've got a berm on one side and you've got a cliff on one side and then a Palo Verde tree in front of you? Do you know what to do? I'm like, no, I don't. And that's why I ran into a Palo Verde tree and had a branch sticking out of my helmet and got scraped up on my arms and my legs. I don't know what to do, but let me tell you, I'm learning and I'm becoming not, not like the guys my kids watch. They watch these guys that are like jumping off cliffs. I have a family, and I have like something in me that says, don't do that, but I'll go down a little hill. Jesus didn't say, follow me and have it all together. He said, follow me and become. Become. And it's this path, it's this journey that we all get to be on. Follow me and become. You know, in society, it says when you want to get a job, they say, well, what's your experience? Have you ever tried to apply for an entry-level job, yet they want experience in it? You're like, I thought this was entry-level. Yeah, but do you have any experience in it? No, well, then you can't get the job. You need 12 years of experience. I'm like, but hasn't this kind of work only been around for five? Anybody ever, like, seen that happen in life? Jesus doesn't say, do you, do you have any experience in following anybody? Well, myself, really badly, I follow my own advice, and it's usually pretty bad. 
Yeah, you're good enough. Come on. That's what Jesus says. He says, follow me and you will become fishers of men. The disciples were nothing special. They had no experience in fishing for men or even trying to draw men to anything, anything important. As a matter of fact, the disciples weren't even good at fishing for fish. That was their job. And I don't know how many of you have read the scriptures, but almost any time Jesus says, hey, did you guys catch anything? They're like, no. Imagine if your job was, I don't know, last service I talked about being a teacher, and you're like, at the end of the day, at the end of the week, hey, did you teach anybody today? No. Anybody this week? No. Do you have any kids in your class? Yeah. How many? 30. You didn't teach them anything? No. Hey, did you fix that car? No. You're a mechanic, right? Yeah. How long have you been a mechanic? 25 years. Yeah, did you fix it? No. The disciples say, did you catch anything? No. What do you do for a job? I'm a, I'm a fisherman. Uh, last time I asked you a week ago, you didn't catch anything either. Yeah. You see, the disciples weren't known for being great fishermen. They're known for being a hot mess when you really look at their life. You see, Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of people. Follow me. And I will make you become. That's the mission. Jesus had this radical mission. And Jesus had no ordinary mission. It was for all people. It was to reach the lost, hurting, and broken of society. It was to reach the outcasts and the super religious. No matter where you stood, Jesus' radical mission was to use people like you and I to reach the world. That was his mission. That impossible thing. So the disciples have a chance. So Jesus has this radical mission. He has a radical call. And the disciples have a chance to be radically obedient. They had a radical obedience. It says immediately, right there, in verse 14, 16. As he was going along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, brother um, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they dropped their nets and followed him. They dropped their nets. You see, for a fisherman, their net was everything. It was everything about their life. And when this radical call happened, they had an opportunity on what are we going to do with this call? What are we going to do with this life that Jesus is challenging us to live? And it says they dropped their nets. They dropped their nets. Their nets were their identity. This is who they were. Their nets were their identity. We are fishermen. Their nets were their past. It was what their dad did. It was what their grandfather did. It was what their great-grandfather did. It was passed on from generation to generation. And it will be who they are. This is who they are. It's their nets. They dropped everything. It was their past. It was their worth. It was their worth in society. We are fishermen. We provide a need and we provide the necessary things for all people. It was their livelihood. It was how they provided for their family and their everything they wanted to do. And it was their comfort. Every day they knew they could go out and fish. But it says they dropped their nets.
today I want to challenge and I want to ask each and every person here, what is God calling you to drop? Is it your identity? Is God calling you to drop your identity? And you know, we have this messed up society that thinks our identity is so many other things. Their identity was their fisher, they were fishermen. Maybe your identity is I'm, I'm an athlete. Maybe your identity is I, I'm this kind of worker. Maybe your identity is wrapped up in our sexuality, which that's our culture. Our culture is like your identity is your sexuality. My sexuality, being a heterosexual man, married to my wife, that's not my identity. That doesn't make me me at all. Because what happens if she dies? Am I no longer that? Do I lose all of that? Do I lose my meaning in life? I know of a person who was here last service. Her husband just died. Does she lose her identity? I think some of us, we do, because our whole life is wrapped around that. Your identity is not that. My identity is that I am a child of God. That's who I am. But our culture wants us to not think that. Our culture wants us to think, no, 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 that's just part of it. Your identity is this, whatever it might be. And our culture wants to jack us up and hijack our life and ruin it forever. It wants us to be so, I'm, I'm in, I have seen so much perversion when it comes to your identity. Our young people, the young people in here, you have such a hard time because you think your identity is wrapped up in, in your TikTok, in your Snap, in your Gram, whatever it might be. You think that's what's gonna make you you. You think your sexuality is gonna make you you. You think whether people know you is gonna make you you. No, God knows you. He loves you. And your identity is that you are his kid. That's who you are. Thanks, Tavion. Give me a shout out over there. I see you. That's you. Is God saying, will you drop the false identity and will you just admit you're my, my kid? Maybe God's asking you to drop your past. Maybe it's your past hurt, your past shame, past abuse. I don't know what your past holds, but some of us, our past is something that keeps us from living anything and everything we ever could be. And maybe God's saying, hey, will you drop that? Will you drop your past? Maybe it's your financial security. Maybe your identity is wrapped up in how much money you have and all that kind of stuff. Let me tell you, this goes away. In a matter of a month, I'll tell you, so my wife and I, we upped our tithe at the beginning of the year. In a matter of a month, and we had a, we had a pretty good savings account. In a matter of a month, since like May 10th, our refrigerator died. We had just stocked that fridge with like three or $400 worth of groceries. Anybody ever been there? Like Costco shopped, not just like grocery shop, you Costco shopped. Refrigerator died. Air conditioner in our house. The dryer, our car, and then our car again, and some other things. I don't even remember what they all were. And everything, all of a sudden, everything I thought was the security is gone. It's God saying, hey, will you trust me with your finances? And will you drop it? And just trust that I will provide. Maybe God's asking you to drop your worth, what you think you're worth. You think what makes you worth something is, is your relationship, it's boyfriend or a girlfriend, it's your job, it's, I don't know what you think your worth is wrapped up in, what you think your value. You see, the disciples, their worth was all wrapped up in, we are fishermen. And Jesus says, yeah, will you drop that for me? 
Are you willing to drop what you think you're worth to realize that Jesus thinks you're worth everything? What about your livelihood? Disciples give up their jobs. Now, I'm not saying quit your job. Maybe some of you it is. Maybe because you know it's a place you shouldn't be and you need to move on to something different. Maybe in your livelihood what God's calling you to do is actually live as the believer you're supposed to and not, second, not, not, sort, of, not sort of give sloppy, not sort of do um, things that you know aren't certainly right, aren't good. Is Jesus asking you to say, will you drop your livelihood? Is it your comfort? I don't know what makes you comfortable. The food you eat. For some of us, our comfort is our spouse, which it should be. But if that's your number one most comfort, guess what? Sometimes we, as a spouse, really stink. And we're not very nice. And sometimes we drop the ball. I'll admit, I've messed up like once. <laughs> Laramie, on the other hand, never. I don't know what your comfort is. But your comfort could be something that comforts you in place of God. God says, will you, will you drop that and follow me? Jesus didn't tell them to drop it and then leave them alone. He promised he was going to make them become. He promised he was going to be part of their journey the whole way. Jesus didn't say, okay, drop it all and then figure it out on your own. He said, drop it and become. I'm going to help you become. You're not on this journey alone. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. Are you willing to drop whatever it is God's calling you to drop and become the man of God, the woman of God that he's calling you to be? Are you willing to drop that? then you have a choice. You have a choice. If you want to become somebody better, if you want to become the person that God has planned for you, you have a choice. And first, I'm going to speak to two groups of people. The first group is, is to those of you who have not taken a step of faith in following Jesus. That's who I want to speak to first. Those of you who maybe, you, you, maybe you've come to church before, maybe you, you've done good things, but you have never said, you know what, I want to follow Jesus with my life. That's the group I want to talk to first. Do you believe that Jesus truly can change you? Because he can. He changed me. And if I allowed different people in this room to share their story, they could tell you. I know people in here, in this room, I know their stories, whether it was living on the street in a box, whether it was a drug-addicted drug dealer, a porn addict, whatever it might be, I can tell you stories of how God changed their life forever, and they're sitting in this room right now. We could have a whole time of saying, let me tell you how Jesus changed me because I've heard their stories. And you could hear them right now. I won't do that because I think some of them would be mad and some would be okay. But do you believe that, that he can not only, that Jesus can not only make your life better but make you better at life? Jesus doesn't want to just make, you, make your life better, make your life happier, but he wants to make you a better man, a better woman, a better son, a better daughter, a better person. He wants to make you better at living life. That was my prayer this morning as I was sitting outside. I'm like, God, I only have a few years left with my kids in the home. I want to be the best dad that I can be. That was my prayer outside this morning. I know I haven't become. I'm on a journey to become, but God, will you help me become that better dad? 
You see, these disciples were not super religious. They didn't have it all together. They were rough around the edges, but Jesus said, I can use you. Society would never have chosen these 12 men. Society would never have chosen some of the women that Jesus followed. I mean, he had prostitutes. He had, he had all these different kinds of men and women that were, following, that were following Jesus. But Jesus says, I will use anybody if you're willing to drop it and follow me. So I ask you, those of you who are not followers of Jesus, are you willing to drop your net? Are you willing to drop your life, whatever it might be? And follow Jesus. Now for those of you who are believers, for those of you who do follow Jesus, for those of you who do, you put yourself in that category of I'm a Christian, I ask you, what is God calling you today? What is God calling you to do? Is it maybe, is your next step maybe in your faith journey to, as you become this Christian, is it maybe to get baptized? Is that your next step? I mean, you've been following Jesus, but you've never taken that step of faith and been baptized. Is that your next step? It Maybe your next step is, is, is just, maybe it is going to join the team, which Jared talked about. Join the team just helps you know more about who we are as a church and how you can get involved, how you can join the team. Is that your next step? Maybe your next step is to sign up for one of the, um, the two groups on, on Wednesday night. Maybe it's to join the men or join the women. Maybe that's your next step in becoming. You're like, I really want to change how I live. That's a simple thing. The men, is, it's five weeks long. Four, I always forget. I can't see fingers. It's five. Five weeks long. The women's is six. Is that your next step? Maybe God is calling you to take a step in your parenting and to change some things. Maybe it's to start standing up for certain things and helping your kids, helping guide your kids better in their relationship. Because some of your kids, man, they're dating and you know you need to say, stop it. Live better. They, they're going to need to know the why. You just can't tell them, don't. You need to tell them the why. So if you can't, if you don't know the why, you need to figure that out. Maybe some of you as parents, like, you, you need to parent better and that's your next step. Maybe some of you dads need to give your family more time. Maybe you need to set up boundaries at work. Those of you who have young families, like your kids, you don't have very much time. There's families in here, their kids are growing up or their kids are getting ready to go to college. Like you don't have, it goes by so fast. My son starts high school in like two months. It's crazy. I remember when he was born. I don't have much time. I want to be the best dad, so maybe you dads, you need to say, you know what, work? I'm done at four. I was here at four in the morning. You don't need me here till six. I'm done at four. Maybe, you're, maybe you dads, maybe it's like your kid's already out of the house. Maybe you say, hey, son, hey, daughter, let's go to breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever you do. I don't know. I'm, I love breakfast. I love eating, period. doesn't matter. Invite me. I'll probably go. Unless it's sushi, then you'll kill me. Maybe, though, for some of you, God is calling you into ministry today. God is saying, I'm not just asking you to drop simple things. I want you to drop everything in a very unique way and follow me. I'm calling you to serve me in, in a way like not many people are called. I'm calling you into ministry. 
And that might mean quitting a job. That might mean pursuing school. That might mean getting more involved with serving. That it might mean something totally different. It might not mean quitting yet. I didn't totally, I didn't, when I went into ministry, I didn't go and quit my job. I worked construction and volunteered. Like, I can't even tell you how many hours I gave to serving. I worked 50 plus hours a week. I served in the youth ministry way too much. And my wife and I, we had to, we had to, we had to set boundaries. But when God said, Jeremiah, I was 18 years old. God said, Jeremiah, will you drop everything you think you are? Will you drop it and follow me? I don't know what God's calling you to drop today. But I ask you, what is he? What is he calling you to drop? To trust him in? And how is God calling you to follow him? What's your next step? You all have one. It's your opportunity whether or not you want to have radical obedience like the disciples. Let me tell you, they didn't look back regretting. They looked forward knowing we are following the King of Kings and there's no better life than this. So, your mission, should you choose to accept it, Will you follow him and become the person that he's calling you to be? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you use people like us. We don't have it all together. We mess up quite a bit. But you use us. Just ask that you'd stir in our hearts. If you're calling us to drop something, if you're calling us to follow you, if you're calling us to give up, if you're calling us to take a step of faith, whatever it might be, Lord, I ask God that today we would choose a radical obedience. If right now God is challenging you, he's calling you right now to follow him, to take a step of faith and follow him with your life. You've never done it. Maybe you've been a churchgoer, but you've never surrendered, meaning you've never given up. You've always tried to have Jesus on Sundays and you on Mondays throughout the rest of the week. But Jesus is saying, can I have your Monday and your Tuesday and your Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and your Saturday? If you want to make that choice, fully surrender. Believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior, that He died on the cross for you, and that He can forgive you of your sins. If you want to make that choice today, I ask that you pray with me. Say, Dear Jesus, I ask that you forgive me and set me free. Jesus, I want my identity to be in you. Not in my worth or what I do, but me and my, I want my identity to be in you. Jesus, set me free. Jesus, I choose to follow you today. I believe that you died on a cross for me, and I believe that you rose from the dead for me. Jesus, I ask that you give me new life. And in Jesus' name we pray. Jesus, I ask that you would help each and every one of us become the men and women that you're calling us to be. Jesus, fill us with your Holy Spirit because we can't do it in our own strength. We can't do it in our own power. So Jesus, fill us, overflow us, and help us to live 
It's in your name that we pray and only in your power that we can live. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you decide to follow Jesus while listening to this podcast today? We want to celebrate with you and help you with your next steps. Click the link in the podcast description to get connected with a pastor and your next step. If you want to learn more about what's going on at CityView, download our CityView app through the App Store or the Google Play Store. You can find everything from special events, outreach opportunities, and additional resources all in one centralized location. Links are in the description below. Thanks for listening. For more information, check out our website at cityviewphx.com or download the CityView app on the App Store.